Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from Horizon West Church. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at horizonwestchurch.com. And if you're in the Horizon West area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now enjoy this podcast from Horizon West Church. honored to be here this morning. Um, I understand from Pastor Chris, we talked this week, and he told me that y'all have been in one of my favorite books, the book of Habakkuk. I know y'all probably thought they were crazy when they said, turn to that book, you didn't even know where it was. But it is one of my favorite books, and one of the reasons I love this farmer turned prophet, turned writer, turned worship leader, is because he basically opens up his prayer journal and he lets us take a peek inside. And so as I was talking to Pastor Chris about what I could share with you this morning, something that I am very passionate about, I thought, you know, let's talk about prayer. Let's dig in there and talk about prayer. And if you have your Bible with you or your phone, we're gonna primarily be in Psalms 23. So you can go ahead and open up that, uh, the Word of God there. Um, it'll be on the screen when we get there if you didn't come with that. But if you wanna go ahead and do that, I wanna ask you a question while you're finding that in your Bible. What brings you to your knees in prayer? Is it your family? Is it your friends? Is it your church? Is it the nation? Is it a health issue? Maybe like me, what brings you to your knees in prayer is y'all, life is hard. And I personally need Jesus every single day. Prayer is simply a conversation that we have with God that we were actually made for. We were made for this conversation. For me, it's how I hold on to Jesus. It also nourishes my trust in him. And second, it is, I think, one of the most strategic ways to push back fear in my life. Fear is a bully. And fear is relentless. And I have battled fear fiercely. My life in the past few years has felt chaotic and out of control. Now, to be fair, my family has gone through its fair share of hard things. In fact, we've had hard things show up in the middle of a hard thing. Anybody else testify to that today? It's not just one hard thing. It's many, many hard things, one after the other. And so a couple of years ago, I started praying these very simple prayers based on Scripture. They're really more like breath prayers, but I now call them threadbare prayers. Just simple prayers based on Scripture that are easy to remember. I did this honestly because I had run out of my own words. Now, I know a few of you here are probably going to think that's really funny because you know I love to talk. But I'd really come to the end of all the prayers that I personally had on my own. And so I remember praying through Scripture and grabbing onto Scripture. And the first one that I really remember praying is Psalms 23.1. I rediscovered this verse that we commonly share at funerals during a season in my family's life when we were walking through our own shadow of the valley of death back in 2017. And I was broken and I was hurting, and I was angry, and I grabbed onto that threadbare prayer for weeks and days, and it was all that I had at the time, but it was more than enough. That particular day in February 2017 actually started out pretty good, and we had a random night of worship at church, and I sing in the choir. I love to sing, and so I was on stage on the platform, and I remember coming off the stage that night feeling so close to the Lord. I remember really sensing his presence that night. It was a very special night. And I 
stepped off the platform and I went to the choir room and I grabbed my purse and did what we all do. I grabbed my phone to see if my kids had texted me. And I had about 14 messages on my phone from people that I didn't know. And this is basically what it said. It said, Stacy, something is wrong with your husband, Mike. We think it's his heart. Come to the hospital immediately. Oh, and by the way, he's still alive. Suddenly, in that moment, fear gripped my heart. I started shaking physically. I had this tunnel vision. It just felt like the darkness was pressing in. I had went from the height of praise to the depths of despair in a heartbeat. And I knew in that moment I had the wisdom that I probably shouldn't be driving, and so I asked my friend, Casey Melvin, who leads um, worship at our church, to drive me to the hospital. And on the way to the hospital, over on this side of town, actually, um, she called her dad, Pastor Chris Whaley, and his wife, Verna, and the four of us walked into the ER together. When I walked into the hospital, I was met by the hospital chaplain, whose name was Angel. And Angel said to me, he said, Mrs. Thacker, your husband, who was 48 at the time, has had a sudden cardiac arrest. He was without oxygen, we think, for 15 to 20 minutes. He was given CPR in the field, and he was shocked three times in order to bring him back around. He was intubated, and right now he's on life support and in surgery. They were doing everything they could, he promised me, but they gave me such little hope. And in fact, later I found out that statistically speaking, if you experience a sudden cardiac arrest outside of the hospital, you only have about a 12% chance of living. So they weren't, they weren't lying when they didn't give me a ton of hope. After several hours that evening in the ICU with some very dear friends, the amazing ICU nurse kicked me out. She said, you need to go home and get some sleep. This is going to be a long weekend. I actually didn't go home. I went to my friend Edie Thibodeau's house because I live way on the east side, <laughs> and she lived closer to the hospital. So I went to her house. I got situated in her guest room. And as I was making my way to the bed, I noticed that one of her kids had left a, a children's study Bible on the on the bedside table. And so I grabbed that Bible and I turned to Psalms 23.1 and this is as far as I got. The Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. Laying face down on a guest room floor of my dear friend's house, I sobbed and I prayed. And just like Habakkuk and Habakkuk 1, I wrestled hard with the Lord. And honestly, I didn't stop praying that prayer when fear rose up again and again throughout that critical weekend, I prayed. The next day, when I had to gather my four girls, who were at the time 17 and younger, and I had to sit with them and tell them what had happened to their dad, I prayed, the Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. All day Saturday, when the hospital staff let me know it was bad, very, very bad, and again gave me little hope, I prayed Psalms 23.1. I prayed it eight days later when he shocked everyone and woke up from his coma. I prayed it all throughout the next month when he was in the hospital going through surgery again and rehabilitation. And I've prayed it when he came home and we spent the next couple years really working through recovery. And we've watched as this event has ripple effect in every square inch of our lives. This one verse was enough because it's packed with truth. And it was true even on the days that it didn't feel true. And I promise you there were many days it didn't feel true. And so I've learned some things from this passage of scripture. 
although it's short, it's so powerful. And I've prayed it again and again, and I thought today maybe a few of you might be facing some unknowns. Maybe a few of you are struggling. Maybe, like me, you're hanging by a thread or you're battling fear. There's a lot going on that stirs up our fear. And so I thought this might encourage you this morning. So if you're looking at Psalms 23, the context of this is it's written by David, King David. It was probably written late in his life. It was written most likely during during the rebellion of his son Absalom. And in it, he deals with some difficult things that he's experienced over his long walk with the Lord. I love what Warren Wearsby said. Warren Wearsby said, this message is for believers who have fought battles and carried heavy burdens. If you're carrying a heavy burden or fighting a battle, this is for you. So let's unpack it. Um, The Lord is my shepherd. That word, the Lord, is a Hebrew word, and it's Yahweh. Now, in your Bible, the English translation will translate it into Jehovah, and here's what it means. It just means the existing one. It's the personal name of the promise-making, covenant-keeping God of Israel. It was first given to Moses in Exodus chapter 3, and it appears, get this, over 6,500 times in the Old Testament. It was so sacred to God's people that they actually stopped saying it, and they would slip in the word Adonai. So you might also see the word Adonai in your scripture. David, in in this prayer, in this cry of his heart, is calling on the Lord, the one who rescued and redeemed and provided and defended and established Israel. This is David. This is who he was running to in the Psalms. This is the God who keeps his promises, and he never wavers. He's saying, my Lord is powerful. He's drawing on the power and the provision of the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, shepherds are a little odd to us, but they were very common to the people of that Middle Eastern culture. David himself, you might know, was a shepherd in his early years. He had an intimate knowledge of what he was saying when he said, the Lord is my shepherd. Um, The role is given to God throughout Scripture, and you might remember that Jesus actually calls on this language of Psalms 23 in John 10 when he says this, I am the good shepherd. And I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father has known me, I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. If you look deeper in Psalms 23, you will see that the shepherd is thoughtful and he's caring and comforting. He's prepared, he's good, he's merciful, he's present and he's eternal. And he provides and he defends and he anoints and he surrounds and he establishes a place for his sheep to dwell. The shepherd speaks of the presence of the Lord and our relationship to him. I have a, a Jennifer, Jennifer Rothschild has a Bible study on Psalms 23 that is so good. And I love her description of the shepherd. She says, in the holy lands, shepherds most often guide with their voices. And it's not uncommon for several shepherds and flocks to intermingle at a watering source. And so when the shepherd wants to gather his sheep and call his sheep, he begins to sing. And his sheep, get this, instinctively recognize his voice, and they separate themselves from the other flocks. They know their shepherd's voice, and they trust him, and they leave the watering hole, and they follow him. 
In the original language, David is actually saying in this Psalms, the Lord is shepherding me. That's what he's saying when he's praying this prayer. David knew the voice of his shepherd, and because he talked to his shepherd and he knew his shepherd, he listened to his voice. All of this points to the fact that with Jehovah, with the power of God, and the shepherd with the presence of God, that I am sufficiently cared for, and I have everything I need. Now, what do we need? He knows, and he will take care of it. And there's nothing that we need today that he cannot provide. Now, don't confuse need with want. The Lord does not always answer our prayers the way we want him to. Because he knows us personally, because he knows us intimately, he knows what we need and he answers accordingly. The question isn't, can he provide? The question is, do I trust my Lord and my shepherd to provide in his way and in his time? I still pray Psalms 23.1, letting that verse form my prayers. He's all I need today when fear bullies me and I don't have the answers. And do you know what I've found is that the enemy can't defeat a heart that's fully filled with the word of God. I've prayed this prayer as my family has struggled on this side of the miracle. We've experienced a miracle in my family and I recognize that and I thank the Lord for it every day. But we still struggle. I pray this prayer when there's a mountain in front of me. When suffering is long, the Lord, my shepherd, is shepherding us through the chaos that was 2020 that's now leaked into 2021. He is shepherding us, and I have everything I need. And guess what? He will be all we need when something else breaks and the world shatters again and is broken. We all know that it's actually breaking right now, but we know personally for us, even if we aren't in a season of really hard things, that it probably will break again. I love this quote by Elizabeth Elliot. She's one of my favorite writers. And she said, we are not adrift in chaos. We are held in the everlasting arms. Prayer is how I hold on to Jesus, but through this relationship with him, I've realized more importantly that he is holding on to me. And I want to share a story with you that I feel like really illustrate what's it, what it looks like when we lean into that truth that he's our Lord and our shepherd. Not too long ago, our family was still really feeling the effects of what had happened with my husband. And it had really just impacted every area of our lives. And maybe you can understand this feeling, but it was like a storm that had lingered over our family for years. Have you ever been in a storm that just parks itself right in the middle of your life and doesn't seem to budge? That's how I was feeling. And I found myself time and time again, though I wasn't in a boat on a lake, I was on the bathroom floor praying and crying and crying out to the Lord. About that time, I received a letter from somebody that I didn't know. He's a worship pastor at a church in another state, actually. So you probably don't know him either. Um, this is what he said. He said, Stacy, I know we've never met, but I'm familiar with your family's story. And he said, last week, something happened to me that has never happened to me before. He said, I was at church, and I was praying for some of our church members, and the Lord brought you to mind. And so I started praying for you. 
And as I started praying for you, I heard a woman crying. So it was so loud and it was so clear that I really thought that my secretary was on the other side of my door. So I got up, I opened the door, ex- fully expecting her to be sitting there weeping. She wasn't there. So I took a walk around the church to see if maybe someone had come to the door and walked away. But there was no one at the church. He said, so I went back to my office. I thought, that was weird. And I sat down and I started praying. I started praying for you again. And once again, I heard a woman crying. He said, sensing that this might be something from the Lord, I said, yes, Lord. And he said, very quietly in my heart, I heard the Spirit say to me, do something. He said, so I called a few friends. I told him what had happened just to kind of make sure I wasn't losing my mind, actually. He said, "Um, but they had been sensing that the Lord was leading them to do something as well. He said, so enclosed in this letter, you'll find a gift for your family, and we hope that it meets some of your needs. He went on to say, if you're anything like my wife, he said, you have a place that you go to pray and to cry out to the Lord, and sometimes you just simply cry. And this is what he said. He said, Stacy, he said, I think the Lord allowed me to hear you crying because he wants you to know that he loves you that he sees you, that you are never alone, and that he's gonna take care of your family. Now that gift was needed and appreciated, but that letter deeply touched my heart. I can't explain that letter and what he experienced, except to say that we are not adrift in chaos. We are his children and we are held in his everlasting arms. And we have, as his children, this invitation to pour out our hearts in prayer. So how do we even pray and maybe possibly even thrive in seasons like we're in the middle of? These are hard seasons. I love what Pastor Tim Keller said. He said, through prayer, which brings heaven into the ordinary, we see the world differently. Even in the most menial and trivial daily tasks, prayer changes us. I want that, don't you? I most certainly want to bring prayer into my ordinary homeschool mom life. I definitely want that. But you know what I want even more is I want to bring heaven into the hard seasons. So how do we do that? I'm going to give you just a few applications today. The first one is do it. Now, I know that sounds simple, and it sounds elementary, and it sounds basic, but maybe today is the day you just need to put a stake in the ground, and you need to start praying. Make it a habit. Set your alarm if you need to. Write it down if you need to. Have a place that you go where you maybe go sit in your bathroom and pray. My friend Amy Newsom said that her family, for years, when she was driving her kids to school, had a street that every time they hit that street, they would pray. It doesn't matter how and when you pray, but make it a habit and do it. We tend to prioritize the things that are important to us. So if you prioritize prayer, you will actually do it. The next one is to be honest. Now, we saw this in Habakkuk. You know, he got real honest with the Lord. And David was a pro at this as well. And this is what I've learned from these two two heroes of the faith, is your prayer doesn't have to be pretty. 
but it does need to be honest. At its heart, prayer is about relationship. And what I love about David in particular is that David was very careful not to put distance between he and the Lord, no matter what he was feeling or no matter what he was experiencing. And this is what I want to encourage you with. You don't have to put distance between yourself and the Lord either. You can draw near in prayer. The next one is borrow words. Now, you can honestly come to a situation like I did and be like, I don't know what to pray anymore. Help help us be near. Those are all fine and good. But one of the best ways to borrow words is to focus on scripture. Letting God's word just form your prayers. That's one way. Another way is you can borrow prayers. You can actually read prayers from other saints who have written down their prayers. And I have found when I do that, when I'm in a season where I'm really struggling with what to say, that often when I borrow words, it becomes a springboard for me as I pray in my own heart to the Lord. The next one is pray with others. Make it a habit to pray with other believers. In the book of Hebrews chapter 10, where it's talking about drawing near, it says this in verse 24. Let us consider how to inspire each other to greater love and to righteous deeds, not forgetting to gather as a community as some have forgotten, but encouraging each other, especially as the day of his return approaches. In Matthew chapter 18, 20, it says, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Remember when I said sometimes you need to borrow words? Well, sometimes in prayer, you need to borrow faith. And I can't tell you how many times I have been wavering and struggling and another believer has prayed with me and I've walked away full of faith and inspired because of their faith. And the next one is just focus on who God is. (laughs) The list is really long, and you will never run out of things to tell him why he's so amazing and awesome. And I promise, if you want to flourish in your prayer life, spend the bulk of your time telling God how amazing he is. And what will happen in the process is that your faith will be renewed, and the strength of the Lord will rise up, and you will find him so very faithful and true. So I want you to keep this in mind as we've been digging into prayer and as we remember Habakkuk and maybe we spend some time with David this week, that prayer at times is work. And prayer most of the time is warfare. And prayer at times will not be simple. For me, especially in these hard chapters in my life, prayer has been how I've held on to Jesus and has been my own concerted effort not to put distance between me and the Lord. And prayer has been how I've actually grabbed onto the hem of his garment and not let go. And although I would never presume to call myself a prayer warrior, I have prayed with those people and they like pray fire from heaven and that is not who I am. But through prayer, I have actually seen my relationship with God grow and increase and even flourish in the darkness because the Lord is our shepherd and we lack nothing. Father God, I thank you so much for your word, for this message that we have. And God, I'm just reminded that you are actually a God who bends down to listen to us. Your posture towards us is that you want us to pray. You're waiting for us to cry out to you. And so Father, in this season, 
in the difficult days, in the days where we don't know what to do, our eyes are gonna be on you. And we will pray as long as we have breath. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Horizon West Church Podcast. If you were inspired or encouraged by something you heard today, share it with a friend. For more information like our service time, location, and other info, be sure to visit us online at horizonwestchurch.com. Have a great week.